Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracon. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who was accused of murdering his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we concluded our review of the testimony of Colleton County Detective Laura Rotland, who was the first investigative law enforcement officer to arrive at the murder scene, and who joined in an interview with the defendant Alex Murdoch, conducted at the scene of the murders. In this installment, we review the testimonies of two crime scene investigators from the state's law enforcement division. That's all coming up right after the break. Could you tell the jurors um, where you work? I work for the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, or SLED. I'm currently in the Behavioral Science Unit, but was formerly in the Crime Scene Unit. And what, what time or what dates were you working in the um, SLED Crime Scene? I was with SLED Crime Scene from 2017 until 2022 in October. So on June 7th of 2021, you were working with SLED Crime Scene? Yes, ma'am, I was. And did you have an occasion to be involved in the investigation of Alec Murdoch? I did. And what was your involvement in um, that investigation? On June 8th, I was requested by my Lieutenant Todd Shank to respond to the call to medical center to collect buckle swabs or DNA swabs from two victims. And can you tell the jurors what um, is a buckle swab? A buckle swab is just a DNA swab, so it's a sterile Q-tip about this size, kind of like a Q-tip you use for your ear and you swab the inside of the victim's cheeks for a DNA standard. Do you just take one swab? It comes in a set of two swabs within one um, container, so two swabs for each victim. You rub the inside of the person's cheek with that swab? Yes, ma'am. Okay, and then what do you do with the swabs? Then it's placed back inside the sterile container and it's put into a coin envelope where it's sealed, dated, initialed, and the time of the collection is, is written on the envelope. And it is um, sealed and dated and initialed to ensure um, that it is not tampered with, would that be correct? That is correct. And if someone else analyzes or manipulates that swab, um, they should note that on the packaging? I'm not sure how it goes after it's out of my control, but I chained all that over to Lieutenant Tom Shank once I went back to the SLED Forensic Laboratory. So where did you turn those buckle swabs in? After I left the medical center, I went back to SLED to the forensic laboratory and did a chain of custody with my lieutenant, and it was then in his custody. And um, going back, just to be clear, 
Who did you collect buckle swabs from? One female victim, Margaret, and one male victim, Paul Murdoch. Hey, Mr. Anciano, I'm going to show you these um, evidence baggies from SLED. Can you take a look at that? Do those appear to be the buckle swabs that you collected from Paul and Maggie Murdoch? They are. And how do you know that? Both of these have my initials, the date, and a description on them, and they're sealed with my initials and the date. And looking at those, can you tell if um, anyone else... Yes, ma'am. There's a additional lab number and item number and two other initials on them. So once you collected those, it would appear that um, someone from the lab performed analysis on those swabs. Yes, ma'am. After Judge Clifton Newman admits those items into evidence, Prosecutor Goud continues her questioning of the agent. Um, agent Serencion, did you do anything else in regards to this case? Yes, ma'am. Once I cleared from the Calton Medical Center collecting the buckle swabs, I requ was requested by Captain Ryan Neal with the SLED Low Country Region to respond to the initial scene of the crime scene and collect a cell phone that was collected by their agents with, via chain of custody. And whose cell phone did you collect from Ryan Neal? Do you know? I'm not aware of whose cell phone it was. It was a iPhone cell phone with a clear case. And what did you do with that cell phone when you collected it? The cell phone was collected via chain of custody with Captain Ryan Neal and then it was placed in a brown paper bag, sealed, and transported back to the SLED Forensic Laboratory where it was um, chained over to Lieutenant Todd Shank. This is case exhibit 204, which is the cell phone, along with a paper bag here. Um, can you tell that's the paper bag that you collected, this cell phone, and put that cell phone in that paper bag? Yes, ma'am, it is. And how can you tell that? It's got my handwriting on it with my initials and the date and a description of the cell phone. And Agent Serencion, if you could take a look at State's Exhibits 205 and 203 and tell us what those appear to be. Both of these are chains of custody from myself to my lieutenant at the time and from Captain Ryan Neal to myself and then from myself to Todd Shank. They're both for the cell phone as well as the buckle swabs. So those forms show um, where you collected or received um, the buckle swabs in the cell phone, is that right? They're chain of custody, yes ma'am. Nothing further at this time, Your Honor. Judge Newman invites Dick Harpoolian to cross-examine Agent Serencion. Ma'am, what is it you do for SLED? I mean, I understand you receive things, you take buckle swabs, but are you just, do you transport things or do you have another role at SLED? I'm currently a special agent with the Behavioral Science Unit. Okay. At this time, in June of 2021, what were you doing? In June of 2021, I was a agent with the Crime Scene Unit. So I with the crime scene unit. Okay. Yes, sir. You help pro process crime scenes? Yes, sir. I respond to the state and process crime scenes, collect evidence, document evidence, um, write reports, and so on, and testify in court proceedings. And did you do any crime scene processing other than receiving these items in this case? No, sir, I did not. So you received this cell phone. They didn't tell you it was Maggie Murdoch's phone, did they? No, sir. But you received this cell phone on the morning of what? When? It was June 8th. June 8th, the morning after the murder? Yes, sir, it was June 8th, 2001. And where was um, the agent that gave this to you? Where did he meet you? Uh, the initial crime scene. Okay, at the house, uh, by the dog pens, where? In, in the yard near the kennels. And okay. Yes, sir. And um, when you received it, was it on or off? I don't recall. Okay. Are you aware that cell phones can continue to receive information or erase memory? at any point, but specifically when you're trying to preserve evidence, do you know whether to turn it off or leave it on? Anybody instruct you on that? I'm not an, an expert with the cell phones, so I'm not sure, sir. Okay. Secondly, 
Do you know what a Faraday bag is? No, sir. Okay, a Faraday bag for your edification is something you put an electronic device in so that no one can access it. It can't receive new data. Objection, Your Honors. Is there a question? There is. I'm getting to it. And it can't erase data. Did you know that? No, sir. You're in the crime scene. Have you ever recovered phones before? Yes, we recover cell phones, but they're typically collected directly by uh, computer crimes or the regional agents. Okay, so in this instance, though, they were not done the normal way, is what you're saying, the usual way. They gave it to you. This way, it was just directly transferred to myself so I could bring it back to the sled lab. And no one cautioned you about putting it in a Faraday bag or not turning it off? Not that day, no, sir. And who gave it to you, agent? Captain Ryan Neal with Sled Low Country. Okay. And he just handed it to you. You put it in a brown paper bag, correct? Yes, sir. And you don't know whether it was on or off? I don't recall. And there's a passcode in this bag with it. Do you know where that came from? I wrote the passcode that I was given on the brown paper bag. Okay. And then if somebody else wrote it on this piece of paper? I did not write it on that piece of paper. Okay. Just to be clear, you were not asked to handle this cell phone any different than if you'd been given a can of pork and beans to put it in, right? Is that right? It depends if the pork and beans were evidence, but... Well, no. assume there's a can of pork and beans and it's a piece of evidence and they want you to transport it. Did they give you any special instructions about the cell phone as opposed to a can of pork and beans? No, sir. The cell phone was collected using gloves and directly placed into the brown paper bag, sealed, initial, dated. A description was written and it was transported straight to the forensic lab for processing. And you don't know whether it was shut down or was still on? Not to my knowledge, no, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Redirect. Father, Your Honor. Thank you. You may step down. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Savannah Goud calls Melinda Worley as the state's next witness. Miss Worley sports short brown hair parted down the middle. She wears a dark blazer with a gold lapel pin over a royal blue blouse. Prosecutor Goud again begins by asking the witness about her professional experience. Good afternoon, Agent Worley. Good afternoon. Could you tell the jurors where you work? I work for SLED. And how long have you worked for SLED? Since August of 2011. And what is your current position at SLED? I'm currently a senior criminalist in the latent print unit in, of the Forensic Services Lab. Can you tell the jury a little bit about um, your education and training and other experiences at SLED that have led you to this point? Sure. I have a bachelor's of science degree in uh, anthropology from the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, a bachelor of science degree in forensic science from Mercyhurst College, a master's of science in forensic science from the University of Florida. And along with the master's degree, I also received a graduate certificate in forensic death investigation. I started at SLED in 2011 in the crime scene unit as a special agent. I followed through the training program that, that SLED provides in-house 
I finished that, uh, I believe it was July of 2012, and at that point I was able to take cases as a crime scene agent. Uh, but shortly thereafter, I also started training in the discipline of footwear and tire tread examination. I finished that training in March of 2014, and so then I was doing crime scene and footwear and tire cases until August of 2022. I transferred out of the crime scene unit to the latent print unit. I also switched from being a class one law enforcement officer, I was a senior special agent, to a class three law enforcement officer, so now I'm a senior criminalist and a footwear and tire examiner. As far as crime scene goes, can you tell us about um, any special training that you have pertaining to crime scene specifically? I've taken several courses in uh, blood stain pattern analysis, uh, shooting reconstruction, archaeology, forensic archaeology, clandestine graves, photography. And um, back in 2021, you were um, a crime scene investigator, is that correct? That's correct. And now you are in the footwear and tire examination, is that correct? That's correct. Okay, what would be the appropriate um, title for that? Uh, footwear and tire examiner. Yes. And what other additional qualifications do you have um, to examine footwear and tire impressions? I've taken uh, two 40-hour courses related to footwear, and I've completed uh, approximately 50 footwear cases since I completed my training in 2014. I've testified as an expert witness nine times qualified. If you could give us an estimate here cases where you have examined um, footwear and tire impressions? As far as the actual scenes I've worked with that had footwear or just in general footwear? In general. I think it's around 50 cases. Without objection, Judge Newman qualifies Agent Worley as an expert in footwear and tire impressions. So Agent Worley, back in June of 2021, what was your role at SLED again? I was in the crime scene unit. As a crime scene investigator? That's right. And can you tell us just some of the um, general procedures of a crime scene investigator who responds to a crime scene? We are requested to respond to crime scenes anywhere in the state. Uh, when the sheriff's office or our police department requests our assistance with a crime scene, we uh, document the scene with photographs and draw sketches, take measurements. We collect evidence, document it, collect it package it appropriately, maintain chain of custody. Is there any special kind of protocol that y'all follow? We, have a, we do have a protocol manual, yes. Um, do you ever wear any type of gowns or coverings or anything like that out to a crime scene? We always wear uh, gloves, no matter what. Um, depends on the scene, I guess, as far as if we're going to wear any booties or anything else. Would it be normal protocol to wear booties to an outdoor crime scene? Not, not the way we've operated them. Why not? It's not usually... I mean, not usually necessary, I guess, uh, as far as watching where you're stepping and not stepping in blood or any tire or footwear impressions or anything. Um, we just don't normally wear booties. And when you're at a crime scene, um, are you looking for microscopic evidence? Well, we don't carry microscopes other than swabbing uh, items at a scene. We, we would collect potential evidence that way by swabbing it. All right, let's move on to your involvement in um, this case. Um, did you have the occasion to respond to Moselle Road on June 7th? I did. What time did you respond out there? Uh, I believe we arrived around 12.07 a.m. Are you aware of what time this um, the crime occurred? I'm not sure about the time it occurred. I, I know the time I was notified. Okay. What time was that? We were notified uh, around 10.33 p.m. So it took you roughly two hours to get out to the crime scene. Why was that? We, we respond from Columbia. All right. So what did what did you see when you got out there? Uh, 
the scene entailed uh, the area where the kennels were located. There was a large uh, workshop with uh, an overhang on between the workshop and where the dog kennels were. Uh, there was a sort of gravel path driveway between the kennels and that overhang. The sheriff's office had brought out a canopy to cover Maggie to protect her from the rain. And what were the weather conditions? Uh, it was raining lightly. What is one of the first things you did when you got out there? Uh, we met with uh, David Owen, Special Agent David Owen, and the regional agents to kind of get a little more information about what, what the scene entailed. Uh, and we did a little in initial walkthrough to see uh, the sheriff's office had marked some potential evidence. So we, we walked around to see what was what and see if we could find any additional evidence before we started taking photographs. Do you recall collecting a shotgun from Sergeant Daniel Green? Yes, I did. How did that occur? He had maintained custody of a shotgun and needed to transfer it to me. Uh, so he brought it over to my truck and we put it in a gun box. Um, we took photographs of it and rendered it safe. Was that gun um, loaded or unloaded when um, you took custody of it? It was loaded. And did you unload that weapon? I did. And why would you do that? We always render a firearm safe before we transport it. Agent Forley, I'm going to show you what's already been entered as Kate's Exhibit 4, along with the shotgun that was collected. What you have there? One of the two shot shells that were in the in the shotgun. And that's a shot shell that you unloaded from this gun? That's right. And what um, gauge is that? This one is a 16 gauge. The correct caliber for that gun is a 12 gauge? That's right. Since Daniel Green collected um, that gun, did you take a buckle swab from him? We did, yes. Why would you do that? In case his DNA was on the firearm, we, we would need to eliminate him or know that was his. Agent Worley, this is Tate's Exhibit 249. Does that appear to be the buckle swab you collected from Daniel Green? Yes, it is. And how can you tell? Uh, it has my handwriting, my initials. The steel tape has my initials with my handwriting for the date. Prosecutor Goud enters Daniel Green's buckle swab into evidence. Agent Worley, if you can take a look at Tate's Exhibit 17. Do you recognize what is in that picture? I do. It's uh, the the shotgun that I I took custody of and a 12-gauge and the 16-gauge shot shells that I removed from the shotgun. It's admitted without objection. Could you tell us which um, shells we're looking at here? The one on the left is the 12-gauge and the one on the right is 16-gauge. And those are the um, shells you unloaded from that? gun. They are. And you described the crime scene. If you could, um, State's Exhibit 22, previously been entered, could you describe that to the jury? That's uh, the large overhang on the side of the workshop, um, the doghouse that's just outside that overhang, and the Maggie's bodies lying there um, underneath that canopy. Uh, the kennels are in the background. How did you um, discover Paul's body or observe Paul's body? He was, uh, when we arrived, he was still covered with a pink sheet, um, but we could tell he was he was lying face down uh, just outside the feed room. How did you process the area around him? We start with documenting the area with photographs, um, photographing the evidence that the sheriff's office had already marked, um, do overall mid-range and close-up of each item of evidence, photograph the victims as they were when we arrived, uh, before the sheets removed or anything. Timer, I'm going to publish takes exhibit 24, which is a sealed exhibit. Does this picture show um, how you found Paul's body? 
after uh, we we documented him with the sheet over him and the coroner removed the sheet. Yes, that is that is what it looked like. And he appears to be um, laying outside of a feed room. That's correct. Did you process that feed room? Uh, after he was re uh, removed from the area, we were we went in the room to process the room. And if you look at that picture there, it appears uh, that there's something laying on the back of the shorts there. Yes, that's right. What was that? Uh, I was told it was his cell phone. States Exhibit 25. Do you recognize that picture? Yes. And what is that? That is the cell phone on the back of his shorts. This time the state would move State's Exhibit 25 into evidence. Okay. Admit it. And this is the cell phone that was laying on top of Paul's body? That's right. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our review of SLED agent Melinda Worley's testimony. Also, check out the new crime story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.